time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Skatik. Greetings, my friends. How are you? Welcome to the financial physician, Lou Skatikna, your certified financial planner and your money doctor. Thanks so much for joining us for our very special 2023 forecast edition of The Financial Physician. Hopefully you enjoyed last week's program where we did a recap of 2022. And uh, I've worked really hard on this program. We got a lot to talk about today. And I'm going to tell you, sit down, get yourself comfortable, uh, have a Xanax handy. Uh, if it's afternoon, maybe have an adult beverage handy because you're going to need it to get through uh, the program. So hopefully you enjoyed last week's show. We um, went over 2022 and what a year it was. It was a year of um, shortages. It was a year of inflation. It was a year of declining financial markets. Uh, the beginnings of uh, what may be World War III or war in Europe. Um, we saw um, rising interest rates uh, we saw uh, natural disasters and crop failures and all kinds of things. I want to discuss that here on today's edition of The Financial Physician. So goodbye, 2022. Happy New Year. Will it be a happy new year? Well, you determine that after we get through this program because I worked really hard on this. And I got to tell you, I have such a sense of foreboding going into 2023. Yeah, 2022 was a crazy year, but I just think that 2023 is going to be uh, summed up in one word, and that's chaos. And I really believe that's what we're going to see here. If there's one thing you could take out of this whole forecast uh, is the one word chaos. Now, nobody knows what the future holds, the exact things are going to happen. And I do this forecast show more, uh, more for fun than anything. Uh, it used to be in the years ago that I used to, I've been doing this for 22 years since we've been doing the program. And uh, up until the, probably the last 10 years, our forecasts were really accurate uh, because it was based on just reading economic tea leaves. It's based on following smart people smarter than me and, and coming to a conclusion. Uh, but since the great financial crisis, uh, markets, the economy, everything is affected by what the Fed does. Uh, and the Fed has been very accommodative since the great financial crisis, keeping interest rates at zero, printing money like crazy. All these things benefited markets, but the markets aren't real anymore, so it's pretty hard to predict with any real accuracy what's going to happen in financial markets. I mean, who thought in 2020 with the, with the pandemic, the entire economies closing down, supply chains being cut off, 68 million people, filing for unemployment, uh, not to mention the death and the, the sickness that was going on around the world and the fear that you'd have the stock market have a great year. I mean, who could predict that kind of thing? Now, should the stock market have had a great year? Of course not. None of those parameters. I don't think there's one 
market participant, economist, uh, now analyst that would have thought if I told you what was going to happen in 2020, that you'd have up markets. And that's a reflection of uh, the artificial nature of financial markets induced by central banks around the world. So the one thing about the forecast that I do here is uh, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, do not use this as investment advice. Don't, do not adjust your portfolios based on what I say here. You know, you should always get um, advice from a licensed financial advisor uh, before you do everything. Everybody's different. Everybody's situation is different. So take this for what it is. Just a prognostication. No different than anybody else's. You'll see forecast videos and podcasts and, and TV shows uh, all around. This always happens at this time of year when we change the year. Uh, so take it for what it's worth. It, it, it would Take it as, as some fun, if nothing else. But uh, I'm serious. I, I did a lot of work on this. Uh, many, many hours. Probably I spent more hours on this show uh, than is warranted, given the size of my audience and, and the influence that this show has. Um, uh, I spent a good portion of uh, the month of December working on this, uh, and I've distilled it down. Now, this is podcast only. This is not a broadcast show. Uh, last Sunday was Christmas, so we did a podcast on a review show. Uh, today, I'm, I'm recording this on New Year's Day, so happy New Year. Uh, and uh, uh, it's Sunday morning. So this is a podcast only. I'm not sure if we'll go the full two hours. We may go over it. I don't know. There's a lot to talk about today. But we'll take it as, as, as long as we, we have to go. We'll be back live uh, on 92.7 WOBM uh, next Sunday doing our normal radio show and the podcast will obviously just be a, a rebroadcast uh, of our live show. So let's talk about the forecast this uh, for next year. And we're talking about mainly finances, but we're going to talk about financial. We're going to talk political. We're going to talk social. Uh, we're going to talk about geopolitical. And the two driving things this year, number one is going to be the Federal Reserve slash inflation slash interest rates. Now, financial markets had a, a, an awful year. We reviewed that last year, and we'll, we'll throw in a little reviews with predictions as we go along. But um, rising interest rates, due to the worst inflation we've seen in 40 years, drove markets down, both stocks and bonds, and ultimately real estate, which has got a lag here. We're going to talk about that in just a little while. So what inflation does how the Federal Reserve reacts to it and what happens with interest rates is going to drive everything here. It's going to drive financial markets. It's going to drive unemployment. It's going to drive housing prices. It's going to drive everything. And there's a lot of conjecture about what inflation is going to do, what the Federal Reserve is going to do. And we'll talk about what I think they're going to do. But this is the wild card here. Central banks now have total control over markets. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, in 2020, I mean, who would have thought uh, that the markets would have gone up double digits like they did? Well, that was a reflection of, A, the Federal Reserve keeping interest rates at zero, printing trillions of dollars. Then you had the fiscal stimulus from the government in the form of stimmy payments, uh, which whoever thought you would ever see that, where the government would just be depositing money in people's uh, checking account. Uh, but the Federal Reserve is everything. And there's an old adage, and it's more true now than ever, don't fight the Fed. Um, meaning if the Fed is accommodative and 
has low interest rates and is printing money and doing quantitative easing, asset prices go up. Be they stocks, bonds, housing, you name it, anything goes up in an accommodative Fed policy where money is freely flowing and it's pretty cheap to get money if, if it costs you anything at all, uh, and that money finds a home. Also, if money is being created through uh, the Fed printing press, that money has to find a home. And over the last few years, with all the trillions of dollars that the Fed has printed, it's found its way into the stock market, it's found its way into the housing market, uh, and so forth. So it's all about the Fed. That's the number one driver of everything we're going to talk about. If the Fed does something different than I think they're going to do, then all of this changes. That's how important the Federal Reserve is. What's the second big driver of what happens uh, in 2023? It's geopolitics. I mean, we are, uh, looks like we're at the cusp of uh, possibly World War III. And let that sink in for a second. I mean, war in Europe, we haven't seen a war of this magnitude in Europe since World War II. And it seems that, and we're going to get more deep into this as the show progresses about what I think is going to happen, but it seems that the West, namely the elites in Washington, have no interest in peace with Russia. They believe that, you know, Russia's weakened now and we could possibly take them down, which I think is foolish. And uh, I think uh, if that's going to be our attitude going forward, uh, I think World War III is definitely a possibility in 2023. But we'll, we'll dive more into that later. So again, everything depends on the Fed when we're talking about the economy, uh, and everything depends on what happens geopolitically, which could throw the, the world economy into uh, such a mess that uh, it'll over, even overshadow what the Fed does. So the GDP, uh, after two down quarters in 2022, the first quarter and second quarter, and we were telling you that we're in a recession, and we, we were in a recession, and we probably have stayed in a recession Maybe not a deep recession, but we've been in a recession. Now, uh, the third quarter was positive, and I, I think the fourth quarter is going to show a 1% to 2% GDP increase. But I think that's it. Uh, I think that little bounce in the economy in the second half of 2022 is over. Uh, my prediction for the first quarter is going to be GDP minus 1% to 2%, and I think the second quarter GDP is going to be even worse, 3 to 4%. So we're going to see a contract uh, contraction in the economy. And if, of course you're going to. I mean, with the Federal Reserve raising interest rates as dramatically as they have, it's affecting everything. Uh, and since we're such a, a debt-based economy, we haven't seen families, governments, corporations uh, so indebted as we see it now. And, and that makes the economy uh, much more susceptible to interest rate moves. I mean, think about it. The more debt you have, well, the more susceptible that's going to be to rising interest rates uh, as it makes more and more difficult uh, to afford to pay that debt. So we're going to see GDP start to contract uh, in the first six months uh, of 2023. And part of that's going to be because the consumer who's been obviously struggling with inflation, uh, we've seen, yeah, we've seen wage gains, but hasn't been anywhere near. Uh, keeping pace with the, the uh, inflation. Uh, so the consumer is really, really, really struggling right now. And what, they're done, what they've done in 2022 is they've, they've burned all their savings, the average family, 
saving rate now is at historic lows. And we're seeing at the same time many families taking on additional debt uh, just to get by. And when we say additional debt, I mean toxic debt. And what's the most toxic debt you could have? Credit card debt. Um, and we're seeing uh, record high increases in the amount of credit card debt uh, that the average American family has taken on. So this is a very dire situation. Now, Americans did go out and spend money during the holidays. Uh, I think it was one last uh, hurrah. People, you know, wanted to give their kids a good Christmas. Uh, they did the best they could. Uh, but in uh, most cases, uh, many families went into deeper credit card debt to do it. And, and that's going to be the last hurrah. Uh, and I think now we're going to see the consumer, the average middle class family, start to pull back their spending uh, just to start paying down some of this debt. Uh, that's really starting to crush uh, a lot of families. I mean, you think about it, you know, you have inflation, so everything's costing you more. You have this burden of extra debt in your life. You have burned up your savings. Uh, uh, the average American family really has no choice now but to pull back on their spending. And I think we're going to see that in the first quarter um, of 2023 uh, in retail sales, and we're going to start seeing it in the overall economic growth declining. I guess economic growth declining is not growth at all, right? Uh, economic decline. Uh, and I think we'll, we'll, we'll see that accelerating uh, as the year goes on. So what will the Fed do about that? You know, usually the Federal Reserve, when there's evidence of us entering a recession, uh, lowers interest rates uh, to prevent uh, unemployment from rising and, and, and financial pain. But this, this Federal Reserve doesn't seem to be uh, really concerned about that. Their intent, uh, at least that's what they say, is to get inflation down to 2%, come hell or high water, it doesn't matter what's happening to the economy, doesn't matter what's happening to financial markets, that they're going to continue to raise interest rates, uh, maybe another three quarters to 1%, probably in small amounts, probably in 25 basis points per meeting which is a quarter of 1%. Uh, and then they're stating that they're probably just paused at that point. You know, they won't start lowering rates, regardless of what's going on, that they're going to keep them high for some time and uh, slay the inflation monster. Because the last thing that the Fed wants is to uh, finally get uh, the inflation genie back in the bottle, only to lower interest rates again and then unleash it again. So they really want to kill inflation. Now, are they going to be able to do that? I don't think so. Because I think something's going to happen, and I think something is going to break. I mean, you hear that term a lot now in financial markets, so something's going to break. Well, what does that mean? Well, uh, a financial crisis of some kind, a stock market crash, the failure of a bank. Oh, we saw something break in Great Britain a couple of months ago. Remember when uh, their pension system was going under? What happened was bond yields on their gilts, which is their government bonds, started soaring because the new prime minister that lasted like 10 days or something uh, wanted to cut taxes. And that had a very negative effect on bond yields started to soar. Uh, pensions, which are highly leveraged to the bond market, trying to increase return. Uh, started seeing the prices of, of their assets decline. We had a major margin crawl, uh, call across the pension system, which forced more selling. And 
literally the United Kingdom's pension system was crashing. That's what I mean by something breaking. And sure enough, what did they do? They reversed course and everything else. And I think what we're going to see in the first quarter, maybe the first six months of this year, is something break here in the United States. What could that be? Well, it could be the stock market. Uh, it could be uh, it could be uh, interest rates in the bond market continuing to rise quite substantially. Uh, it could be the failure of a financial institution uh, or a major corporation. It could be um, something overseas. It could be a failure of a Credit Suisse uh, or Deutsche Bank or something like that. The system is so so hooked on low yield, low interest rates that this higher interest rate environment will break something. And we're starting to see some of the cracks uh, right now. So I believe that probably in the first quarter, we're going to see a major financial issue. And the Federal Reserve will panic and will reverse course. And this is the key. If they do that, we're going to see, well, well, if we have something break, what we're going to see is inflation come down dramatically. And that's because inflation is driven by spending, economic growth, and things like that. Well, we're going to see, we're going to see deflation if we have a stock market crash or the economy goes into a deep recession. People are going to stop spending, and when you stop spending, it causes demand to go down and uh, supply to go up, and that's how you get deflation. Prices come down. So I think we may see a deflationary spike, or if you want to call it a spike in deflation. Uh, happening uh, in the first three to six months of next year, which will give the Federal Reserve pause and say, you know what, uh, well, we did beat inflation, see? Uh, it's 2% or lower, and uh, we could now start lowering interest rates because we have to provide liquidity to the system, uh, and uh, it may have some temporary positive effects. We'll see a big rally in the stock market most likely. Now, where will it be rallying from? That's another question. Is it going to be rallying from twenty thousand? Uh, uh, right now, we're at thirty-three thousand. Uh, you know, who knows? We'll see a rally in the bond market. But my big concern is that the Fed will lower interest rates too soon, causing ultimately an inflation that will make last year's inflation uh, look tame by comparison. So I don't believe the Fed. I, I don't believe the Fed's going to continue to raise interest rates. Yeah, maybe one or two more times, but the effect of those interest rate increases, I think, was going to cause a very, very quick and sharp U-turn by the Fed. Uh, and I think they'll drop rates really quickly uh, as things break, uh, go back to quantitative easing and go back to the original program because, let's face it, the economy, financial markets all depend on low interest rates. And uh, I think we got to get used to inflation. Inflation is here to stay. These, these things don't, inflation just doesn't uh, come for a year and go away. I mean, inflation tends to be cyclical. And we haven't had inflation of any significance in 40 years. Uh, I don't think a one-year inflation spike uh, is one and done. Uh, like I said, we may see a, a, a disinflationary period just due to economic collapse asset collapse, um, but I think it's temporary because the reaction of the Federal Reserve is going to be to go back to their money printing, uh, quantitative easing, zero interest rate policy, uh, or even may maybe negative interest rates, uh, and damn inflation.
look, we, we can't let the system fail. We can't let the banking system fail. We can't let uh, the economy go into depression. We can't have unemployment at 15%. Uh, we're going to have to do what we can to provide liquidity to the system, and they're going to make that about face. And my, my expectation is that's going to happen uh, by June uh, of 2023. Um, now, if they don't do that, if we, we don't have something break, which I find it hard to believe that it won't, uh, you got to understand, too, that when the Fed raises interest rates, you know, some analysts say it takes as much as a year before you see it in the economy. So the Fed started raising interest rates in March of last year. So it's not even a year yet. You know, it's nine months. Uh, and look where we're starting to see. We'll talk about the housing market in a second, you know, how it's being affected. Uh, we're seeing how the financial markets were affected in 2022. Uh, so we haven't really felt the increases of three quarters of a point that happened in, in, in the summertime into the fall, those are months out before we see the economic uh, reality from that. Uh, and I think it's going to be very painful. And I think the Fed, uh, as they always are, is behind the curve. Is It's too late. Uh, and I, I think that um, they've gone too far. And if you think about it, how far do they really have to go? Do they have to go as far as Paul Volcker went to, to battle inflation? And we have the same type of inflation now that we had in 1980. Um, it is, uh, if calculated correctly, it's the same exact inflation rate that we had then. And Paul Volcker raised interest rates to, what, 17 18% on a federal funds rate, you know, which is not going to happen here, i got to tell you that. that the Fed, you want to talk about something breaking? Everything would break. Uh, an economy that's so debt-laden, and it's not just the United States, it's the entire world, uh, cannot handle higher interest rates. Uh, and, and we're seeing it now, and we're going to see it a, a lot more in the months ahead, um, how damaging high interest rates are uh, to financial markets and the economy. Uh, so there's a lag there. Uh, Fed raised interest rates in December, 50 basis points, a half a point. Uh, it's almost baked in the cake, barring something breaking. Uh, the first week in February, we'll go up another quarter of a point, uh, and then we'll see what happens um, from there. So, uh, again, markets, the economy, uh, your ability to earn a living, uh, your ability to afford to live, uh, is all based on what these unelected central bankers do. And we could uh, do a whole show on does the Fed have too much power, uh, and I probably will do a show, you know, in the new year on that. Uh, every year or two, I like to do a, a comprehensive review of what the Federal Reserve is, how it came about, uh, the power it has over each and every one of us, uh, as far as our ability to have a job, our ability to afford uh, to buy goods and services, uh, our ability to uh, uh, create wealth in the market whether it's the housing market or the stock market or, or the bond market. Uh, but interest rates do affect unemployment, and uh, unemployment is, is, is held up, again, according to government statistics, which you know how I feel about that. I, I don't believe any of them, to be quite honest with you, uh, especially the jobs report, which it's come out recently by the Federal Reserve itself, uh, that the Bureau of Labor Statistics may have uh, overestimated the number of jobs created uh, in 2022 by over a million. Uh, that's not just a small error. Uh, according to the, the household survey, there's been zero job creation in 2022. 
But I think we're going to finally start seeing, again, if reported accurately, which it probably won't be, we're going to start seeing the unemployment rate go up, and we're going to start seeing uh, jobs being lost in the economy. Uh, and we're hearing it every day. We're hearing technology companies uh, laying off tens of thousands of workers. Uh, there's certainly no creation of jobs in manufacturing. Uh, we're seeing uh, uh, across the board, we're seeing uh, people starting to lose their jobs. And this is exactly what the Federal Reserve wants. And that's what's so insidious about the Federal Reserve and the central bank and its power to, to, to regulate the economy through monetary policy is that to quell inflation, they need you to lose your job. They need your kids to lose their job. They need your wealth to go down. They need your stock portfolio to go down. They need the value of your house to go down. Right? What is that? That's deflation, right? That, that's the way you create deflation is by making people poor. If people are poor, they can't spend money. They can't bid up prices. If they don't have a job, they don't need to buy gasoline. Demand destruction, they call that. So the Federal Reserve is not happy that the unemployment rate still is under 4%. They want it higher, which is counterintuitive because if you think about what's the mandate of the Federal Reserve, it's supposed to be to regulate inflation and to have maximum employment. But the problem is that the, these, these two things are antithetical to each other, right? You have too much employment and too good of an economy, you have inflation. So if you want to battle inflation, you've got to attack employment. Uh, so it's, it's hard to balance these two. And I think when the first quarter of the year, we're going to start seeing rising unemployment, and we're going to see uh, uh, loss of jobs. When you hear the monthly jobs report, uh, you're going to hear uh, th that more and more people are losing their jobs. And the Fed will be happy about that. Now, the Fed doesn't want 15% unemployment, uh, but they'd be very happy with 6 uh, versus 3.7 uh, right now. And that will slow down the economy and theoretically will slow down inflation. So let's talk inflation, what I expect to see uh, in uh, 2023 uh, after... Uh, a peak CPI of 9.7% this year, uh, I expect to see the rate of inflation continue to drop into the first six months of 2023. And that's namely due to the fact that the economy is slowing dramatically. Uh, uh, the damage that's being done to the housing market, which we'll touch on in a second, uh, and the wealth effect of that, uh, we're going to start seeing, um, and the consumer tapped out, uh, we're going to start seeing retail sales go down. We're going to see more layoffs. Uh, we're going to see the, uh, the consumer, uh, which is 70% of the economy, uh, start to draw back. Uh, and that's going to cause the GDP to go down. And it's going to give us a pause in inflation. As I mentioned earlier, it's going to be temporary because the Fed ultimately was going, is going to go back to its ways of low interest rates, printing money, and uh, quantitative easing. And look, our, uh, our deficit is $1.5 trillion to $2 trillion. Uh, that means that the U.S. government has to borrow that money. And uh, nobody wants to buy our debt. And I mentioned the uh, last couple of weeks that uh, foreign governments and foreigners in general are selling off U.S. Treasury bonds. They don't want them. And as we, you know, we'll talk later on about as we move to a two-tier 
economic system where we're going to have the BRICS, you know, the uh, India, China, Russia, Brazil, Mexico, uh, South Africa, uh, other Asian countries joining together uh, to form their own economy and to get away from the U.S. dollar, we're going to see more and more sales of U.S. treasuries from, from, from countries like China and Japan and so forth. So who's going to buy this debt? I mean, you can't have one and a half trillion or two trillion dollar deficits without issuing new debt, right? Well, it's going to be the Federal Reserve, uh, the buyer of last resort, which will uh, print money, buyer debt, which is called monetizing the debt, which is the death knell of, of every currency. Uh, but there's going to be no choice. Another thing to worry about with rising interest rates is, you know, you got a country that is, forget the consumer, you have a country where the debt outstanding is $31 trillion in counting. Uh, we can't handle higher interest rates on that debt. We were able to, to sustain that kind of debt because what was the interest rate we were paying on it? 1% on average. And a lot of this debt is short term. It's two years or less. And a lot of it's going to be maturing 2023 and 2024. We never pay it off when it matures. We just issue new bonds. Well, if we issue new bonds at higher interest rates, what does that mean for debt service? It means the cost of interest on our debt skyrockets. And, and that's a very important fact. I mean, when, when, Fed, when uh, Paul Volcker in 1980 raised interest rates on, uh, to 17 or 18%, the reason he was able to do it is because debt in general was very low. Whether we're talking about uh, the country's debt or we're talking about city debt or corporate debt or family debt. Well, it's just the opposite right now. Debt set record highs everywhere, whether it is the U.S. government, whether it is corporations, whether it is states and cities and families. It's at the record high. So when you raise interest rates, that has a profound effect. Uh, and in, uh, uh, in the case of the U.S. federal debt, Every 1% right now is $310 billion in interest. I mean, let that sink in. I mean, it's 1%, $310 billion. So the Fed's raised interest rates 4%. They're still raising them. So if that transcends uh, into the interest that the U.S. government pays on our treasuries, uh, you add 4%, you're talking about $1.3 trillion in additional interest expense. Think that that's the, the total amount of our deficit right now. So that means that's just going to add to the deficit because we don't have the money to, to fund our budget. We have to go one and a half trillion in debt. And then if our interest goes up one and a half trillion, well, we have to go three trillion in debt. Do you see how this becomes an ex exponential problem? And, and it is. And now I, I told you this is not going to be this is not going to be an optimistic uh, podcast. It's not, uh, but it is what it is. And I'm just trying to, to inform you on what I think is going to happen here so you can protect yourself accordingly. So I think what we're going to see here is uh, a short-term decline in inflation in the first six months of 2023 due to economic, I don't want to say economic collapse, that may be a little too drastic, but a substantial uh, deepening recession here in the United States and, and by extrapolation, the entire world. Uh, 
Uh, we're all going through the same thing of rising interest rates, inflation, and of course, the world now is so interconnected that you know you can't have a thriving economy in Europe and a, a deep recession in the United States. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, but I think that the Fed's going to dramatically in the summer reverse itself on its interest rate policy uh, and uh, bring interest rates back to zero very rapidly, start printing money, and we may even see uh, Congress uh, uh, vote for more stimulus depending on the state of the economy, the state of the markets at the time, uh, which will result in what will be the big inflation, uh, inflation like we haven't seen in the United States in our history. Um, at which point, who knows what happens at that point. You know, it's only a matter of time, you know, for this to happen. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, you know, you study economies, you study monetary policy, you study um, um, economics, and you, you'll know that every country, when they finally get to the point where they have budget deficits, they finance those budget deficits by printing money and buying their own debt through their central bank, a monetization of debt, uh, that is the end of the currency. Now, the reason why it happened, hasn't happened yet is because the U.S. dollar is the reserve currency of the world, or at least has been. Uh, and one thing about reserve currencies, they tend to last about 80 years before they're replaced by a new world currency, a new world reserve currency. Well, we've been the world's reserve currency since 1944. So you do the math, and we're right a little bit over 80 years. Uh, so I think that we're at the, the end of the dominance of the U.S. dollar, and we'll talk about what that means you know, later on in the program when we talk about the BRICS nations and what's happening there and them forming their own alliances, their own economic cooperation, and most likely their own current uh, commodity or gold-based currency to take on the U.S. dollar. And... Uh, and make no mistake about it, uh, the dollar's domination is, is over. It's just a matter of uh, what it means and how quickly uh, the dollar um, loses its purchasing power. Uh, and I think it's going to be uh, starting very, very uh, significantly in the second half of 2023. Now, another thing we have to keep our eyes on is, is energy prices. Uh, we've seen uh, um, uh, energy prices moderate in the last uh, three or four months uh, as demand has gone down for uh, energy as the economy has slowed down. And again, that's what interest rates do. It's demand destruction. Uh, prices go up. People stop buying less, uh, can afford less. Uh, people working from home. All these kind of things have uh, squashed demand for energy. Uh, also, uh, the Biden administration tapping our strategic petroleum reserve, uh, lowered energy prices. Now, I think energy prices are, are going higher. Uh, temporarily, they're down, and uh, it hasn't really filtered in to the inflation rate yet. And, and I think it will because energy goes into everything, everything that's manufactured, everything that's grown, everything that's shipped, everything you buy uh, or consume uh, is energy-related. Uh, so when you have moderating energy prices, it's reflective in uh, the consumer price index and inflation in general. And that's part of the reason why we've seen inflation overall moderate uh, the last few months. A good portion of it has to do with energy prices. Uh, so we have to keep a good eye on that because energy prices are really going to determine 
what inflation looks like next year and how the Federal Reserve reacts to that. Uh, and I'd hate to be the chairman of the Federal Reserve right now because he's going to have a decision to make in 2023. Do I prevent hyperinflation in the United States or do I prevent depression and economic failure and banks failing and uh, social chaos and everything else? Uh, neither uh, path is enviable uh, for the Federal Reserve. Uh, but that's the path that, that he's going to have to choose. I mean, he's going to have to choose to rescue the financial system and the economy uh, or to uh, battle rising inflation. And I think that uh, the path of least resistance is to avoid depression, bankruptcies, massive unemployment, uh, civil unrest and all that goes with that. Uh, inflation be damned. Um, and it's really a devil's choice. I mean, I, I'd hate to have to make that choice, um, but he is. So I think uh, we're going to see uh, inflation at 2% or lower, maybe even negative uh, in a deflationary situation for a short term uh, in the next six months. But then when the Fed pivots and goes the other way again, which it will, we're going to start seeing inflation take off again. All right, lots more to talk about on this special edition of the Financial Physician podcast only. It's my 2023 forecast. Lots more to talk about. Don't want to miss it. Don't go away. I'm Lou Scatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. Heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation, professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health, and most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday mornings, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, Registered Investment Advisory Service to afford Advisory Group. Welcome back to this very special podcast, our 2023 financial forecast edition of the Financial Physician podcast only. Next week, Sunday, January 8th, we'll be back live. For those of you who listen live to the program on 92.7 WOBM FM on the Jersey Shore, um, we'll be back next uh, Sunday. And the podcast will just be the um, rebroadcast of the live show. But today's podcast only. Not sure how long I'm going to go with it. We'll go as long as necessary. It could be longer than two hours. It could be less than two hours. We'll see how much material we get to and how quick we do that. So at the opening, we were talking about how 2023, uh, what happens in financial markets, the economy, basically all aspects of our life are going to be affected by two things, Federal Reserve and geopolitics. Now, of course, the Federal Reserve is going to act according to what the economy is doing, what interest rates are doing, what financial markets are doing, and, and those are variables that, that we really don't know. We're trying to forecast them on this program, but uh, as we know the last few years, it's pretty hard to forecast things, especially when uh, there's such volatility in the world. It's, it's, it's pretty tough to forecast what's going to happen. I'm talking more possibilities here on this program than, than, than giving you exact forecasts because... 
for whatever that's worth. But uh, I spent a lot of time researching this stuff. I uh, read a lot of smart people uh, and listened to a lot of smarter people than me and what they think is going to happen. And I've distilled it down for you uh, and added my own opinions uh, based on that. So we, we talked about um, uh, the Fed policy is going to drive financial markets. And let's talk about what I think is going to happen in financial markets. Now, last year was the worst year for stocks and bonds, if you add them together, uh, since 1871. Let that sink in for you. Uh, you look at, at, at a 60-40 uh, portfolio, right? 60-40 uh, meaning 60% stocks, 40% bonds, which is a typical portfolio. Uh, and it really shouldn't be exactly that. It depends on your age and your income needs and your risk tolerance and everything else. But, you know, financial advisors for years have been stressing the importance of a 60-40 portfolio. The theory is the 60% in the market when the market's doing well, we'll outperform the bonds. And when the market's, stock market's doing poorly, uh, the bond market will rescue you from total decline. Well, 2022, that did not hold up. We had both stock markets going down uh, and bond markets going down. And um, when you take into consideration both of those markets together, um, the worst financial markets we've seen since 1871. And the 60-40 portfolio, worst performance since 1932. Um, so it's time to rethink that 60-40 portfolio, I think. So um, we got the final numbers. Uh, when I did my review last week, it was Christmas. I did. We still had one more week of trading left, so I want to update you the final numbers for 2022. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, down just under 9%, 8.8%. Uh, the beginning of 2022, the Dow was at 36,000. 338 closed on Friday, December 30th at 53, uh, 33,147. The S&P, now, now, now that was the best index. Uh, the Dow was the best. If you, if you only lost to 9, 10% last year, you did good. You did good. And one of the things about a bear market, that there's an old saying that goes, the person who loses the least is the winner. And that's the goal in bear markets is to lose the least. Uh, and, uh, that's certainly been my theory in, in my money management for my clients. And we did very well for them last year, uh, in protecting them. Uh, the S and P 500, which is a, a more broader, um, basket of stocks, 500 of the biggest companies in the United States, uh, down 19.4%, um, just under the 20% bear market threshold. Although we were over that a number of times during the year. Uh, the worst year uh, for any index since 1937 is the NASDAQ. Uh, the NASDAQ was down 33.1%. The worst year ever for the NASDAQ, and again, the worst year ever for uh, the worst year for any stock market index since 1937. You see the theme here? We're, we're going back a long ways in looking at the performance of financial markets in 2022. I mean, worst year for stocks and bonds since 1871. <laughs> That's just right after the Civil War. Um, and then you're talking about indexes and uh, the 60-40 portfolio, worst performance since 1932 and 1937. Uh, so, yeah, it wasn't a good year for your 401K. It wasn't a good year for your IRA um, and so forth. So where do I see um, the markets going? Uh, well, a lot of it's going to have to do with, again, Fed policy. As I said, I, I started everything. Uh, one of the big drivers is going to be what the Fed does. Uh, but I think we're going to see hell in the stock market in the first quarter of 2023. 
as uh, the market realizes we're going into a deep recession and that uh, the Fed's still going to be saying they're sticking to their guns, so there's going to be fear of continued increased interest rates uh, in the face of a declining economy, uh, which obviously is the worst uh, mix for financial markets. Uh, and I think, uh, and we're not even talking about black swan events. You know, we're not even talking about if um, the war in Ukraine expands or, or a nuclear device goes off. Or, well, we're not even talking about anything like that, which is a real risk for the world financial markets and the economy. But we'll touch on that later. Uh, but just talking about interest rates and the slowing U.S. economy uh, is going to have a really negative effect on stocks. Now, even with uh, the decline we've seen in the stock market in 2022, by all metrics, stocks are substantially still overvalued, way overvalued, and have not reverted to the mean uh, of, of stock market growth. So uh, <clears throat> bottom line is stocks don't do well in recessions. Stocks don't do well in a high and rising interest rate environment. Uh, and uh, that looks like what we're going to have. So we could have a real risk of a crash in stocks in the first quarter uh, or first six months of 2023, uh, which, if that does happen, uh, will result in the Federal Reserve reversing policy, lowering interest rates, uh, and so forth. So I think the bear market continues for another year in 2023. We're going to have a lot of volatility. You're going to have major moves to the upside. You're going to have major moves to the downside. Uh, and I think um, at the low... Uh, sometime during this year. Now, I don't think the low is going to be at the end of the year because I think we're going to see a significant rebound uh, in the second half of uh, 2023 in response to the Fed's moving lower in interest rates and quantitative easing and all that again, uh, is that I think we're going to see about a 25% decline uh, uh, in uh, the S&P 500 at its low uh, in 2023. So a lot more pain ahead, uh, if, I'm, if I'm correct at this. Uh, but I think that uh, we'll see a significant rebound uh, in the second half of the year as the market gets its drugs again. It gets its stimulus. It gets quantitative easing and, and, and so forth. And, you know, maybe the market, you know, at 25 percent below here is uh, at fair value or undervalued. Uh, and the market starts getting optimistic that 2024 uh, we'll see a rebound in the economy. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. I think at the end of the day. Uh, at the end of the year, we're looking at either uh, an S&P 500 that's flat, unchanged, or, or, or down maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 percent. But volatility is going to be the rule, and uh, the bottom line is going to be what's going to happen uh, to the Federal Reserve uh, as far as interest rates go. Now, uh, bonds in uh, 2022, as I mentioned, had uh, one of the worst uh, years that uh, we've seen in decades. Uh, the 10-year has uh, uh, gone all the way up to, uh, right now, I think it's 388 uh, it closed the year at, um, interest rate-wise. Uh, it started the year at, uh, I think, uh, under, a, uh, under 1%. So that's a major increase uh, in interest rates. Uh, and I think we're going to see higher interest rates in the bond market before they start going down again. I think we'll see the 10-year at... Um, peaking at 45 to, to 5%. Like I said, right now it's uh, 3.88, something like that. Uh, so we have uh, more upside in interest rates. 
which means that we have more uh, upside in mortgage interest rates, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about and how that's going to affect the housing market down the line. But then I see the bond prices rallying uh, later in the year as the Fed reverses and uses uh, we, the term we call pivot. Uh, the Fed pivots and realizes that, hey, uh, we're destroying the economy too much. We're um, creating massive unemployment. Uh, financial dislocation uh, in the markets, maybe even a banking crisis uh, and uh, liquidity issues, and we're going to have to aggressively stimulate again. Uh, and then we're going to see a major rally in bond prices. So I, I think overall, uh, 2023 uh, is going to be a good year for bonds. I think bond prices are going to rally. I think yields are going to fall substantially uh, if this all plays out uh, like I'm laying it out to you. Uh, but again, vol volatility in a bond market, you're going to see it. Um, uh, uh, but when the Fed starts pumping a ridiculous amount of liquidity into the system, uh, you're going to see bond yields fall and uh, you're going to see mortgage rates go down, uh, which may be uh, the elixir that is necessary uh, to stop the, um, the financial chaos and depressive economic environment uh, that we're going to be in. Uh, so the average... Um, Government bond, if we look at, uh, let me see if I can find it here. I had it written down. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, government bonds, here it is. Um, government bonds, uh, the 10 year uh, dropped 14% in price value in 2022. I mean, that's a huge move for a 10 year Treasury bond uh, to drop that much. But we saw interest rates go from uh, uh, what was. Um, uh, under a do, uh, seven, uh, 72 basis points. That started the year at three quarter, less than three quarters of 1%, ended the year at 4.44. Uh, that, uh, actually, that's a two-year. The two-year started the year at 0.72, ended at 4.44. So if you buy a two-year treasury right now, you're going to get 4.44% for the next two years. Now, that might sound good right now, but it, it may be very low. Uh, but um, uh, the ten years dropped fourteen percent in price. You go further out on the on, on the yield curve. You look at the twenty year U.S. Treasury bond, and, and that's dropped about thirty percent. I mean, that's an incredible, incredible drop uh, in U.S. government bonds. Uh, and as I said, right now the yield's three point eight eight on uh, U.S. Treasury uh, ten year. I expect it to go to four and a half to five. I expect it to end the year closer to 2.5% as bonds rally uh, in, in, in the second half of the year. Uh, corporate bond market also is taking a hit, uh, down 15 to 25%. Uh, the worst performance in corporate bonds since uh, the great financial crisis in 2008. Uh, I also expect corporate bonds to have a decent year uh, in 2023 20, uh, uh, as the Fed pivots and starts to lower. Uh, interest rates. All right, let's pivot. Oh, there's that word again, pivot. Uh, let's pivot and talk about precious metals. Um, uh, some people think precious metals did poorly uh, in 2023, but that's not really the case. I mean, precious metals, let's take gold. Gold was $5 off its opening price uh, in 2022. I was surprised to see that. Uh, 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 now, of course, just uh, in September, I think, October, uh, gold had bottomed around $1,618 and has had a, a, quite a rally uh, since then, uh, up about, uh, I don't know, 
fifteen percent or something like that. Uh, closing on um, on Friday at eighteen hundred and twenty five dollars an ounce, something like that. So, uh, gold held its own uh, in twenty twenty two. You had the dollar. You had the um, Stock market falling big. You had uh, the bond market falling big. You had cryptocurrencies falling big, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but gold held its own. It held its value uh, during uh, a very, very crucial time when other asset prices were declining. Now, a lot of people say, well, we had this big inflation problem. You know, why wasn't gold flying and so forth? Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, number one, as a result of the Fed raising interest rates, uh, we saw the dollar strengthen against uh, foreign currencies. A stronger dollar tends to be negative uh, for precious metals, so that kind of held gold and silver in check. Uh, You also have the the blatant manipulation of these markets, uh, which hasn't stopped um, (coughs) holding back gold and silver. But uh, if you had your money in gold and silver, you you didn't lose it. Uh, That's for sure. As a matter of fact, uh, silver was up uh, a few percent for the year. Uh, so uh, all in all, um, it was better to be there than it was to be in the stock and bond market. Uh, the best assets uh, in, um, in 2022 are just assets that did not go down. Cash. Now you could say, well, cash did go down because if inflation was running at 8 or 9% and I'm getting 1%, uh, then I'm losing, which is true. The real rate of return is negative. Uh, but I'd rather have a, a real rate of return that's negative because it was unchanged and inflation ate it uh, than be down 20% and have inflation on top of that. So uh, all in all, you know, gold and silver did well um, in 2020, um, 2022. Now, my prediction and forecast is that gold and silver is going to be the best assets to own in 2023. Uh, I think we're going to see a major run in um, uh, in this coming year. Uh, it will be the year of gold and silver, uh, and there's a number of reasons why um, why I'm saying that. Uh, a, I think the Fed is going to reverse course, as I said earlier in the program. Once something breaks, whether it's the market or the economy, uh, the Fed's going to panic and bring interest rates down dramatically. You're going to see the dollar plunge. Uh, which would be very, very bullish um, uh, for gold and silver. Uh, And uh, I think we are going to see a breakout in gold and silver uh, that's going to make your head spin. I really do. Uh, My guess is that we're going to uh, see gold uh, go from $1,800 to at least $2,700 an ounce, uh, which is up uh, about 50% from here. Now, I'm pulling these numbers out of a hat here. I'm just saying, you know, where it really should go, you know, based on what I see coming, it, it may be much, much higher than that. I mean, once once people start realizing that their purchasing power is being destroyed, uh, once people realize that uh, the Fed pivot is going to sow the seeds of a, a major hyperinflationary environment in the future uh, and a declining currency, uh, we're going to see um, individuals, retail, buying into the metals like we haven't seen before. And that's the thing is, you know, so few people own precious metals. And so few uh, institutional investors like hedge funds and pensions and insurance company owe. I mean, if they just went 3 or 4% into that market, forget about it. There's just no supply. Add to that uh, the formation of the BRICS union, which I mentioned earlier in the program, and I'll get into it a little bit deeper uh, as we move along here, is uh, the BRICS are going to, 
base their currency on uh, natural resources, uh, especially gold and silver. And I think it's going to become public uh, in 2023 how much gold has been accumulated by the BRIC countries, namely China. Now, we saw a record central bank demand for gold uh, in the fourth quarter of 2022. Uh, central banks bought 400 tons of gold in uh, the last three months of 2022. That's a lot of gold. That's a lot of gold. And uh, we find out that China bought 300 tons of that gold. So China has been accumulating gold. They've been doing it for some time. They've been doing it uh, kind of secretly. You know, every few years they'll announce how much gold they have. Uh, my guess is they have multiples of what they say they do. Uh, and they've been doing that because they ultimately want either their currency, the yuan, or whatever currency comes out of the union of these BRIC countries uh, to be the new world reserve currency. And the only way they could overtake the dollar is to, A, uh, stop trading in dollars and have these BRIC countries use their own currency, which is where they're going, uh, including Saudi Arabia, who's agreed to now trade oil uh, with certain countries in their own currencies and not the U.S. dollar. So the petrodollar is at risk. Uh, but I think what's going to happen one day is this year in 2023, as the BRICS union is forming, is China's going to come out and say, we have 20,000 tons of gold that we're going to use to back this new currency. So the monetization uh, of gold and silver, again, back to real money uh, by these BRIC countries, uh, is going to cause a major, major rally uh, in the price of gold as people say, well, wait a second. I'm in the West here, and I have fiat currency. I got currencies backed by nothing. And in essence, is nothing but paper with ink on it. Uh, whereas there's other currencies out there that are backing themselves with gold. Maybe I should go out and back my currency with gold and silver. Uh, and we'll see retail demand. Uh, uh, go you, you're not even going to be able to get it if you want it. That's the thing. I mean, gold and silver, when it's in a bull market. I mean, there's been periods uh, in 2022 we saw you, you just couldn't obtain it. Some people have dubbed the, what they're going to call gold and silver is not gold and silver, but unobtainium. Unobtainium, you can't get it. Uh, and uh, we saw that, you know, in the fourth quarter of this, this year. You couldn't get American Eagles, uh, silver coins especially. Uh, everybody was out of stock. The Mint wasn't producing them. Uh, and if you could get them, you were paying a premium of like 80%, uh, which the premium still exists uh, close to that. Um, imagine what will happen when, you know, the public realizes that, hey, the money I have is worthless or worth less um, and can buy less and less and less. Uh, maybe I should look to uh, gold and silver as uh, some uh, uh, financial insurance. And that's what I've always called gold and silver financial insurance policy, that if uh, the value of your currency declines or you have hyperinflation or you have um, failure of the system, uh, the only thing that can't fail on you would be gold and silver. Uh, there's no risk in that as far as default goes, uh, especially if you own it yourself and you hold it in your hand. Uh, you can't say that about any other asset. Every other asset has counterparty risk uh, that you may lose it all. Uh, and if you think of um, 
the U.S. dollar as uh, the common stock of a country. Well, the currency of any country is the common stock of your country, uh, and uh, and if that uh, that common stock crashes, what do you have? You have a whole lot of nothing. And let's face it, most Americans have everything in one stock, which is the U.S. dollar. Whether it's their savings accounts, whether it's bonds, whether it's stocks, it's all the U.S. dollar, right? Uh, the only way to get out of the U.S. dollar is to hold something that is universal money. Uh, and that's gold and silver because you never have to turn your gold and silver back to dollars. You could exchange it for euros. You could exchange it for Swiss francs. You could exchange it for the new BRICS currency that's coming out. Um, uh, who knows? Um, but this is going to be the year of gold and silver. I think everybody needs to have some of it. Um, uh, the dollar index, uh, which has kind of held gold back a little bit, uh, peaked at 114. Now, you got to realize the dollar index is um, how the dollar trades against other major Western currencies, basically. Uh, the euro, the yen, the, uh, the Canadian dollar, and so forth. So if the U.S. currency is, you know, uh, the best-looking horse at the glue factory, you know, money's going to flow there. Uh, uh, and that doesn't make the U.S. dollar any better uh, or any safer. It's still a fiat currency, uh, but it looked like the best of the best, especially when you have the Federal Reserve uh, uh, aggressively raising interest rates. You had a lot of money flowing uh, out of Europe as uh, the Ukrainian war started to get serious uh, and started flowing to the United States. So the U.S. dollar index, which was uh, under 100 earlier in the year, peaked at 114. That's a pretty big move for uh, the United States dollar. And it's caused major problems for uh, emerging markets who have borrowed uh, in U.S. dollars. And as the dollar goes up in value, so does the cost to service that debt. Uh, it's caused major economic problems in those developing countries like Brazil and Argentina and countries that, that borrow in U.S. dollars. Now the dollar closed a little over 103 uh, at the end of the uh, 2022, so it's already uh, down 16% uh, from its high. Actually, it's down 12% uh, uh, from its high. Uh, and it's going to continue to decline, especially once the Fed pivots. I believe I could see the dollar index going down to 87 or, or worse, uh, a drop of 16% from today. Uh, if that happens, you're going to see gold and silver uh, take off like crazy. Uh, so you have to own gold and silver. You have debasement of the currency ongoing, and it's going to accelerate, uh, especially um, if we have a major economic downturn or uh, a stock market crash, uh, and the Fed panics and starts lowering rates, printing money, doing quantitative easing again. Uh, and it's inevitable. It has to do it, if for no other reason than to finance the U.S. debt. Uh, and the Fed's going to accept inflation. It's... it's it, it's the way most governments make their debt go away. When you're totally indebted, you can make your debt go away two ways. You could default on it and not pay it back, or you can inflate it away and make the value of that debt less. And the one thing in inflationary environment, it's great for debtors. Terrible for savers, but it's great for debtors because... You know, if you have a $100,000 mortgage that you've had for 10 years uh, and now the dollar is dropping like crazy and you have inflation, well, uh, the value of that debt has gone down. 
And the opposite is true. In deflation, debt becomes concentrated. So debtors love inflation, especially if you're a debtor like the United States. Yeah, yeah, we'll pay you back your money, but we'll pay you back in uh, worthless dollars. In essence, that's a default in itself. Gold and silver going to be the stars of 2023. That's one of the things that I'm most confident about uh, is the precious metals finally having its day in the sun. And with that, goes uh, mining stocks, stocks involved with uh, precious metals production. I think we're going to see that, too, in um, in uh, base metal stocks as well, copper and so forth. We're going to see uh, a very, very good year uh, for commodities. Uh, but, uh, you know, the debasement the, the of the currency is ongoing. It's going to accelerate. And I expect to see, again, at least a 50% increase in the price of gold to at least $2,700 an ounce. Silver is going to be your best asset to own. If you have a choice between gold and silver, I'd be a silver buyer. Uh, I just see silver as the most undervalued asset uh, on earth right now. And I can see, uh, I can envision a, at least an 80% to 100% increase uh, in the price of silver. Uh, right now, silver closed around $24 an ounce. Uh, I could easily see it uh, above 50 uh, sometime this year. Uh, and that may be, again, very, very low. There's some people out there that really know the metals markets uh, that think we're going to see uh, 3500 gold and $100 silver uh, in uh, 2023. And look at it. It's an inflation hedge. It protects you against the basement of the currency. Uh, it protects you during times of war and, and uncertainty, uh, which we're going to talk about, you know, the possibilities of, of that getting out of control. And it protects you against hyperinflation. A lot of people say, well, you know, gold and silver really hasn't performed well. We've been in a great stock bull market over the years. You know what? In 2000, gold was not uh, 250 an ounce. Now it's $1,800 an ounce. What is that, eight times your money? where the S&P 500 is up 300% in that time frame. So uh, I think you would have been better off <laughs> buying gold and silver in uh, 2000 than the S&P 500. So uh, anybody who says gold and silver are an ancient relic, it's a stone, it's a pet rock, um, look at the returns uh, that it's given you over the last two decades and compare that to the stock market. So it will be 2023, the year of gold and silver. What about um, cryptocurrencies? Ouch. Uh, boy, everybody was touting cryptocurrencies in 2021. Uh, 21 in uh, November, I believe it was. We saw Bitcoin and what, 67,000 a coin. Uh, everybody's saying it was going to 200,000 or a million. It was all kinds of crazy numbers being thrown about. Uh, well, Bitcoin closed, I think, on Friday at 16400 and change. Uh, down uh, 67%. The absolute uh, worst asset to own uh, in a year that's been a terrible, terrible year for any assets, uh, except gold and silver. Um, you, uh, uh, you saw the worst of the worst in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Actually, Bitcoin wasn't the worst. FTX, uh, their, their coins were the worst. They went to zero. Uh, and we've seen many other cryptocurrencies disappear. Uh, I think something like 80% of those that, that have been issued are, are gone now or total scams. Uh, 
But I do think that uh, we always see a rally in Bitcoin. I, I think that uh, in response to the Federal Reserve concerns about uh, the dollar, uh, inflation and all, I think there will be a rally in Bitcoin. Uh, Ultimately, I think it's going to zero because I think the Federal Reserve digital currency will not permit it competition. Uh, and what good is, you know, the surveillance state through digital currencies if you could transact through Bitcoin and avoid that altogether? But um, I think that we'll see Bitcoin rally to about $40,000 a coin uh, sometime during the year. Uh, where it ends, who knows? We don't know. But ultimately, uh, gold and silver are the place you want to be. I, I, I don't think digital currencies or cryptocurrencies uh, is the place to be. So that's financial markets as far as securities go. Let's shift gears, talk about housing. Uh, one of the things that were very easy to predict uh, in 2022 was that as interest rates were rising, that it would have a, a very detrimental effect. Uh, on a housing market. And sure enough, that's exactly the case. Uh, we saw um, uh, dramatic declines in mortgage applications, first-time home buyers, uh, uh, new home construction, new home sales. Uh, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And, and, and there's a lag here. Um, uh, we really haven't seen substantial price declines yet. Many of that has, much, much of that has to do with uh, the supply-demand equation that's been going on, uh, the inventory that's been out there. Uh, but right now, we see uh, the housing affordability index close to the worst it's ever been, meaning the prices of the homes and the cost of mortgages to finance. And uh, I brought to your attention a, a couple of months ago, or maybe a month or two ago, that uh, the same house... Uh, it cost 50% more in your mortgage payment uh, than it did just nine months ago, uh, a year ago. Uh, and if interest rates continue to go higher in the mortgage market, we're going to see that even worse. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and I think that is going to continue at least for a little while until the Fed pivots. So uh, we saw this week, uh, I mean, I said all the numbers are just horrible. Um, uh, and we, you know, everybody knew that it's going to affect the, the housing market. We've seen home sales uh, falling month after month, and uh, it's now getting to the point which is worse than the last crash in 2008, if you if you can imagine that. Uh, last Wednesday, we got some more bad news: pending home sales, which are are, are are the best leading indicator of where the housing market is going next. Uh, Home sales dropped to the low, uh, pending home sales dropped to the lowest level ever recorded. Now think about that. Pending home sales, sales that uh, contracts that have been issued to to buy new homes at the lowest level ever recorded. So home prices have a long way to go to the downsides. A lot, and I expect this year we're going to see. Uh, the average price of uh, an existing home drop uh, by 20%. Now, we had a crazy market in 2022, uh, especially early on, and certainly in 2021. Uh, we had very, very low mortgage rates. We had stimulus money out there. We had people buying homes. We had people overbidding, uh, paying tens of thousands of dollars over the asking price. First time in history that ever happened. And... Uh, and now that's all starting to come apart. 
And with housing 20% of the U.S. economy, you know, this decline in housing activity, uh, sales and construction, and uh, is really, really detrimental to the GDP because it doesn't only affect home builders. You know, you talk about furnishings for homes, those companies, companies that uh, or originate mortgages and title companies and uh, landscaping companies, commodities like lumber, and all these things are affected by the housing market. Uh, so when you see uh, pending home sales drop the most on record, uh, that's going to um, work its way through the economy. If I was uh, um, looking for a place to live right now, I would certainly would not buy. My advice to anybody right now, uh, you just get married, uh, you're your first-time home buyer, uh, rent. Rent and buy some time. Because A, home prices are going to come down as I just laid out, uh, that's probably the number one easy forecast to make for 2023 is home prices are coming down dramatically. As I said before, we hadn't really saw it quite yet. Uh, there still was pent-up demand and inventory issues. Now you're going to see a number of things happen. You're going to see an increase in foreclosures as uh, people who overpaid for homes uh, the last few years uh, are now underwater on their mortgages. Uh, you're going to see a lot of people just stop paying it and giving the keys to the bank, uh, which will increase supply. Another thing that's going to affect the foreclosure issue in the housing market is people losing their jobs as the economy implodes. Uh, how many Americans are paycheck to paycheck? How many families? 67% right now. Well, if you have no paycheck uh, and you're barely getting by when you do have one, how are you going to pay your mortgage? Uh, especially on a, a mortgage that's on a house that's been overinflated. Uh, so uh, you're going to see that in the market as well. And mortgage rates, I think, are going higher first before they go lower. I think we're going to see you know over seven again, uh, seven and a half to eight maybe in the by the summer. Um, and then when the Fed finally uh, cries uncle and starts lowering interest rates, we'll see that reverse. Uh, but I don't think anybody should be out there looking to buy a home right now. Uh, your probably best bet is to wait to 2024 uh, when mortgage rates come back to earth and um, uh, after we see a housing price crash. Uh, and it's always best to buy uh, during a housing market crash. Think about 2008. Boy, if you had the ability to buy homes back then, you did incredibly well. So, uh, you know, it was nice when it, uh, while it lasted where we saw our housing prices go to the moon. Many people saw their net worth go up quite a bit uh, in 2021 as we saw these major, major moves in housing. Uh, but like any other asset bubble, they break and they go the other way. Uh, and, and, and that's where we're going to see uh, housing go. So that's our financial markets review. Uh, stocks, very volatile. Uh, we're going to see a major decline, I believe, in the first six months as the markets realize that uh, the economy is imploding, uh, that the consumer is done uh, and, and just so indebted uh, that they're not going to be able to sustain consumer spending. We're going to see uh, the GDP contract dramatically due to a housing recession an earnings recession uh, as companies report lower earnings. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a very volatile year. Again, it all depends on the Fed and how it acts uh, during this period. 
Uh, and I do think that when the Fed panics and and lowers interest rates in the summer, that we will see a substantial rebound from substantial losses uh, in the stock market. But it won't be a great year for stocks. I doubt that we're going to be talking on uh, one year from today uh, about our um, 2023 review. I, I, I doubt that I'm going to be saying that the stock market's up 20%. I just don't see that in the cards uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so stocks, uh, I would avoid them. Uh, bonds will be volatile, but I think at the end of the year, bonds are going to have a good year because interest rates are going to fall. Uh, gold and silver, the place to be, uh, the number one asset to own. I think gold and silver are going to have a fantastic year. Um, uh, cryptocurrencies, volatile year, but I think they're going to have a decent year. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. And again, all these things could be thrown into a tizzy uh, based on uh, Fed action or inaction. Uh, and also uh, what happens geopolitically, uh, which I'm going to go over next. Right after this break, don't go away. I'm Lou Scatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. Heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation, professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health, and most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday mornings, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service through Ford Advisory Group. Welcome back to the special podcast of the Financial Physician. On today's program, we're doing our annual financial, political, social, cultural forecast on what we see happening in uh, the next year, this year, 2023. Uh, we spent most of the program talking about the Fed, the economy, financial markets, the housing market. And before I move on to, to politics and geopolitics, I want to give you a few more stats re relating to the housing market because the, 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 the decline is starting to become quite dramatic as far as uh, the metrics of housing uh, and uh, the pricing of housing is going to follow. And I think we're going to have a crash of significant proportions in the real estate market, uh, at least 20%. Uh, uh, let's see uh, some of these stats I have here. Existing home sales have fallen uh, 10 consecutive months in a row. Again, you know, if you have rising interest rates in the mortgage market, that makes sense. Existing home sales are down 35.4% over the last 12 months. This is the largest year-over-year -year decline in existing home sales since the collapse of Lehman Brothers and uh, the great financial crisis. Home builder sentiment has dropped for 12 consecutive months. How does home builders, how does executives at home construction companies feel? It's been going down for 12 straight months. Uh, the number of single-family housing unit permits has fallen for nine months in a row. And that's another thing we look at in the housing market is, is permits for new housing. You know, how optimistic is uh, builders and contractors to go out there and get permits to build houses? 
that has fallen for nine months in a row. Uh, so housing, uh, these metrics that we're seeing in housing, we haven't seen uh, in quite some time. And uh, as I said before, housing is 20% of the overall economy. And let's face it, most people, almost all their net worth is in their house. Uh, so a 20% decline is, is, is pretty significant. And that's especially significant if you bought a house in the last few years at the peak of the market and financed most of it. You know, the lending standards have gone down a lot over the last few years. The amount of down payment necessary has gone down a lot. You got a 20% downturn in housing coming. Uh, you're going to have a, a mess of foreclosures. Um, uh, because people are just going to say, you know, what's the use of paying this mortgage when, you know, you know, I paid $500,000 for this house. It's worth um, uh, 350000 and my mortgage is four hundred and fifty. dollars uh, You're going to see that. Uh, and, and it exacerbates on itself. You know, when you have foreclosures, you have supply issues, you have banks fire-sailing properties, uh, and uh, you have a prolonged housing uh, contraction. So uh, we're going to keep a good eye on housing, and we'll keep you certainly informed here on the financial physician. All right, let's shift gears and let's talk um, geopolitics. I opened the show and I said there's two factors uh, that are going to determine everything in 2023. And, and, and the first factor, I said, was the Federal Reserve slash inflation slash interest rates. Uh, how that plays itself out is going to affect the economy, the financial markets drastically. Uh, and I laid out what I thought would happen with the Federal Reserve. I think they're going to stumbly um, say early in the year that they're going to continue to raise rates and keep them high, uh, and they're going to get inflation down come hell or high water. Uh, then something's going to break, uh, like the stock market, uh, the economy, or uh, some financial institution, uh, and the Fed's going to say, wait a second, uh, we got a reverse policy here. Otherwise, the whole thing falls apart. Uh, so that's the Fed, and I think the first six months of the year are going to be dreadful for stocks. Uh, uh, and I think the second half is going to be better, uh, especially for bonds, because I think the Fed uh, is going to go right back to zero interest rates and quantitative easing and printing of trillions of dollars and, uh, and all that. Uh, so that's, that's where we are with the Fed as one of the, and the most important, I think, uh, factor uh, in the economy and financial markets in 2023. The second thing I mentioned was geopolitics. Now, in 2022, geopolitics played a huge role in inflation and in supply chains and financial markets. Uh, as we saw uh, Russia invade Ukraine, uh, something that uh, a lot of people didn't think was really possible uh, to see such a uh, significant. Um, uh, Military operation, special military operation, I guess is what Putin called it. Uh, and we've explained, you know, uh, the West has pushed Russia into this, as far as I'm concerned, and many experts, through expansion of NATO up to the borders of Russia. And the talk of Ukraine joining NATO was just as too much for Russia to take. And if I was uh, Russian, uh, I'd feel the same way. Now, uh, uh, People call me a Putin puppet and all that stuff because I'm saying that. I'm just telling you like it is. Think about it. How would you feel if the Russians were building bases in Canada, in Mexico, uh, 
and threatening, you know, to move missiles right to the border. I mean, how would you feel? I mean, how would the United States government feel? Well, that's exactly what's happening to Russia. Since the Soviet Union fell, uh, a lot of uh, the satellites of Russia, the Baltics and uh, Poland and Romania, uh, uh, have all become NATOized. Uh, and uh, they're part of NATO, and uh, we've moved uh, military bases, you know, towards their border. And then it came to Ukraine. There's lots of talk of Ukraine joining NATO, and and that was the last straw for uh, for Putin. Uh, he he, you know, half of uh, Ukraine speaks Russian, and uh, that was the line in the sand. Uh, and he invaded Ukraine. Now, many many innocent people have died, and. Uh, uh, I'm no fan of Putin, don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to, to lay out the rationale for what happened. Uh, and it seems that uh, the West has no inclination to negotiate a settlement to this. Uh, Putin came out last week and said that Russia is willing to uh, talk about how to end this thing. Uh, but the Ukrainians and uh, the West don't want to have any of it. Uh, and if that's the case, you know... I don't want World War III, uh, do you? Uh, we talked about, we spent over an hour talking about the economy and financial markets and how it's all dependent on the Fed. What do you think would happen to the economy and financial markets if this war expanded? Uh, I mean, we're involved already. I mean, you know, we're talking about putting Patriot missiles in Ukraine. We have special forces training Ukrainians. Uh, we've given them or going to give them a total of so far $100 billion in weapons and money, which exceeds the entire defense budget of Russia in any given year. Um, so this thing looks like it's going down a very, very bad path. And it seems that the, the life is cyclical. You know, history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but they say it rhymes. Well, how long has it been since World War II? Right? We're talking, what, uh, 80 years? It seems like there's these 80-year cycles that come about. Uh, and uh, none of us, nobody alive today, except, you know, people who are 100 years old and remember World War II or Fortnite, really remember what it's like to have uh, the entire world engaged in warfare. Uh, and it may be going that way. And it's very scary. Uh, forget the markets, forget, forget the economy. Uh, do you want to uh, worry day and night about a potential nuclear, thermonuclear war going off? Anybody who lived uh, in the early 60s in 1962, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, remembers what that's like. Uh, my dad used to tell me, I was only two years old at the time, but my, my father said, you know, we lived in Brooklyn, New York would be a, obviously a major target. Uh, that he couldn't sleep at night when he went to bed, not knowing if we were going to wake up in the morning. And the world certainly doesn't need that. Uh, we don't need it, obviously, from a human standpoint, where tens of millions or a billion people lose their lives. Um, but more, you know, but economically and world markets, uh, you're going to see financial destruction like we haven't seen before. So this is the black swan. This is the wild card. And uh, already we've seen what, you know, the war, which has been pretty localized into Ukraine and uh, uh, has been relatively subdued as far as what it could be. 
has caused havoc in, in inflation, supply chains, and, and fertilizer prices, and everything else. So we got to keep a good eye on what happens there, and uh, hopefully saner minds will prevail, and we'll get some kind of a negotiated settlement here. But it doesn't seem like Ukraine is interested in uh, uh, seceding the uh, Russian-speaking areas in the east of Ukraine to Russia. Russia's already annexed it, uh, and I'm sure there's going to be no uh, no peace unless that's accepted. Uh, and uh, right now it seems that the Ukrainians and, and the West uh, are hell-bent on trying to destroy Russia. And there's no way Russia's going to allow itself to be destroyed. Now, there's talk now that uh, Russia's getting ready to... Uh, not necessarily using nuclear weapons, but to uh, go all in on the Ukrainian war now. To bring massive amounts of troop movements. You know, the Russians have an extensive air force. They've hardly used it. Uh, and look, if the Russians want to go in tomorrow and take over Ukraine, they could. Apparently, Putin has tried to be somewhat subdued in that. I don't know what his reasoning is. Maybe to, to you know limit the loss of life or whatnot, or maybe he's concerned that if he did that, that it'll bring in NATO and the United States and, you know, bring an escalation that is not good for anybody. But, uh, yeah, World War is not really good for financial markets, unless you're owning gold, which we talked about as the asset to own <laughs> in, any, in any scenario. Uh, but, uh, but, but this is something we have to really keep an eye on, uh, the geopolitical issue of, of, of war. Uh, may good for certain business. You may want to own Lockheed Martin and Raytheon and those defense stocks, but uh, uh, not good for the world economy uh, and world financial markets. It, it's the number one issue right now, uh, I think, uh, that the world has to deal with. And it's, um, it's pretty disturbing, uh, the lack of talk uh, of negotiation and trying to find an exit to this. And I don't really think the markets are really taking that risk into consideration. Uh, the risk of an escalation here uh, that will involve more com countries. There's already talk of Belarus getting involved on Russia's side, uh, and th this is this could go nowhere good. Uh, and hopefully, let's pray that there is some solution to that. The other big geopolitical issue now, like obviously, is China. You know, if we get involved with Russia and, and Ukraine. Uh, that would probably give cover for China to move into Taiwan, as the United States would be already engaged uh, in a major war in Europe. Uh, do I think that's going to happen? No, I don't. I really don't think 2023 is the year that, that China goes into uh, Russia. They have bigger problems at home right now with their own economy, the COVID situation, uh, political unrest there. So I, I don't think 2023 is the year uh, for that, but something we have to uh, keep, keep a good eye on. Also, other conflicts around the world, uh, Israel and Iran. Uh, we have Netanyahu, uh, prime minister again of Israel. A lot of saber rattling going on there uh, as Iran becomes closer and closer, if not already, uh, to having a nuclear weapon. Uh, and uh, the Israelis said that they will not accept that. Uh, so 2023 may be the year that Israel attacks um, Iran's nuclear facilities. Uh, causing a major international conflict in the Middle East. Uh, so the world is a powder keg right now uh, in geopolitics. Uh, another thing to keep in mind, as I mentioned earlier, is the formation of the alliance of BRIC countries. These emerging market countries, uh, the, 
Uh, China, BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, uh, and South Africa. But it's going to be much, much bigger than that. Uh, many, many countries have announced that they would be interested in being part of this economic alliance. Uh, maybe it becomes more than economic. Uh, one thing about economic alliances, they tend to turn out to be military alliances uh, because your economies become intertwined and your, uh, your interests become the same. So that's another thing to keep in mind. But the big concern is that uh, the BRIC countries will form their own economic union uh, a, taking uh, trade away from uh, the West and particularly the United States. Uh, but more concerning is that they'll form their own currency uh, that's backed by gold, silver, and other natural resources uh, to compete with the U.S. dollar. And, and that's my main concern because if we have competition for the U.S. dollar and it stops becoming uh, the world reserve currency for trade, uh, there is no, no uh, pillars to, uh, to hold up the dollar. The dollar would have crashed already if it wasn't for its reserve currency status and its petrodollar status. Uh, and uh, my big, big concern is that that house of cards, uh, which is the U.S. dollar, could uh, collapse uh, given the competition that we may see from, from major economies. I mean, you just think Russia, China, and India uh, throwing their Brazil. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a big, big, big economy and a, a big portion of the population. I mean, if we have 60 or 70% of the population part of the BRICS union, we're going to shrink up pretty quick. The West is going to shrink up pretty quick. Uh, and I think that's a major, major, major risk uh, to financial markets uh, and to the, um, to the safety of the U.S. dollar. So we're going to keep an eye on it. It's, it's going to happen in 2023. We'll see how many countries um, uh, join the BRICS union. Uh, we'll see if they roll out their currency. You know, I, I, I could see one day in the biggest stadium in China, China all of a sudden having uh, just truckloads of all their gold bars and them revealing to the world, here's our 20,000 tons of gold. Now, the U.S. is supposed to have uh, 8,000 tons of gold. We're supposed to have the most gold in the world. Who knows if we have it or not? My guess is not. I mean, Fort Knox has not been audited since I think 1950-something. Uh, that's got to concern you in itself. Why hasn't it been ordered in all that time? Uh, so what if they come out and say, here's our 20 tons of gold uh, to fill this stadium. Uh, where's your gold, U.S.? Let's see yours. And again, if they back their whatever currency that they bring out, whether it's the yuan or some other uh, currency that they, they create... Uh, and it's backed by gold, silver, natural resources, oil. Uh, I'd rather have that currency uh, than a currency backed by nothing. Uh, let's switch to domestic politics. Uh, in 2022, we had the, the midterm elections. And if you didn't think uh, voter fraud is now endemic uh, in our system, it is. Uh, uh, the midterms normally is a huge victory for the, for the party that's not in power. Uh, usually it's six Senate seats, something like 30 congressional seats in, uh, in the House. Uh, and magically, even with the worst president approval rating in history, worst inflation in 40 years, people losing 20, 30 percent in their 401ks, uh, the social issues like gender uh, and, and, and race that's being injected into curriculum in school, uh, you would think that it would be even worse for the Democrats. But no, no, 
no, they gained a Senate seat. And uh, the Republicans barely eked out a majority in the House. They couldn't steal that. They tried as hard as they could. It took weeks before we knew. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad situation when you see how endemic uh, voter fraud, Democratic voter fraud is in the system. Uh, and you saw it very clearly uh, in Arizona. I mean, you know, how Carrie Lake didn't win when she was winning in the polls by like 15%. Uh, it was just blatant, in-your-face fraud. People showing up to vote, which is 87% Republican in Arizona uh, on Election Day. The ballots were misprinted. So the tabulators couldn't read them. You think that was done by accident? Come on. And if you listen to the trial uh, that Kerry Lake had in Arizona, you know, challenging the election, I mean, it was damning. But meanwhile, the judge said, oh, the, 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 you know, there's not enough to uh, uh, change the election. And Carrie Lake is uh, is not giving up. As a matter of fact, she's uh, going to appeal it. Uh, she was on TV this week. She was being interviewed um, uh, by um, Elder uh, on his radio show. And, and this is what she had to say about voter fraud in Arizona. Uh, and she doesn't pull back. But let me clean it up. They picked the wrong woman to mess with. They picked the wrong woman to mess with. If they thought somebody said, "Oh, just uh, you know, be graceful," and, and you know, you lost, be great. No, no, no. We didn't lose. You know, if I would have lost, I would be graceful, and it would be graceful. But I don't walk away when I've been uh, the victim of a crime. And it's not just me. The people of Arizona have been the victim of a stolen election, and I promised when I ran for governor that I would stand up and fight for the people of Arizona every single day. And I am still fighting for them because they're asking me, do not exit this fight until we have election reform and honest elections. Because if I walk away from the fight, who's going to stand up and demand honest elections? She said in uh, no uncertain terms that Katie Hobbs should be worried. Katie Hobbs, is she nervous? Is she worried? She should be. I mean, I know, I know that Katie Hobbs knows she didn't win this. Mm -hmm. I know that Katie Hobbs knows she cheated. The whole state knows it. The whole state knows this is a racket. This is a joke. She's a joke of a candidate. And I don't know how she would even govern because the state is not behind her. And they are losing control of their narrative as more information gets out about how they ran these elections, how corrupt these elections are. She's a complete joke. Uh, you know, she couldn't even articulate her policies. She didn't show up to, to debate. She didn't even campaign. She's our own. We have our very own version of Joe Biden here in Arizona. And her name is Katie Hobbs. You got to love Carrie Lake. Uh, she's a fighter and she doesn't give up. And like she said, uh, they chose the wrong woman to mess with uh, in Arizona. So voter fraud now is endemic in the system. Uh, COVID uh, allowed for these mail-in votes. You got the early voting. You got the late voting. You got elections aren't determined for two weeks in certain states as they finagle votes to get their candidate to win. And uh, in our democracy, you know, Dems like to say our democracy is at risk. Well, democracy is all about free and fair elections, and you don't have them. And we have some hotbeds of uh, election fraud uh, and you don't need fraud across the entire country to win an election. You just need to 
win the swing states. Uh, and you only need usually just one area of the state uh, to commit fraud. And it's usually going to be a Democratic-controlled major city uh, in a state. You know, you take um, Maricopa County in Arizona, which is uh, Houston. Uh, the rest of the state doesn't matter. Uh, you take Atlanta, Georgia, uh, which totally nullifies the votes of, of most Georgians who are conservative. Uh, you take Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, and that's all you need. All Democratic-run uh, cities uh, where voter fraud is rampant, and that swings elections. Uh, and if you really believe that, um, uh, the Democrats would pick up a, a seat in the Senate, and, and, and the Republicans only pick up seven or eight seats uh, uh, in the House, well, then there's no hope for you because the only way that could happen is through massive voter fraud, uh, and that's what we saw. And in, unless this is corrected, you know, you're never going to see, uh, I think, another Republican president. Uh, you're never going to see uh, uh, another uh, significant Republican Congress uh, because the Democrats have it down pat. Now, the question is, uh, are the Republicans just going to cry about it and say it's happening? Uh, are they going to learn how to play the game? Uh, because it doesn't look like there's any will uh, in the courts or anywhere else to uh, fix this problem. I mean, Carrie Lake brought tremendous amount of evidence of all kinds of things that went on in the election. And the judge just said, you know, nah, not, nah, not enough. We're not going to overturn the election. So now she's got to appeal all the way up the appellate court system, maybe all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, and it seems that courts don't really want to have too much involvement uh, in elections. So, uh, you know, the political situation couldn't be worse. Uh, we now have uh, the Congress, uh, as of, the, I guess, today, tomorrow, is now uh, controlled by the Republicans. Uh, the Republicans, we'll see if they have it in them to play as dirty and as hard ball as the Democrats do. Uh, we'll see that if that's true. Uh, but it seems like it is. It seems like some of these committee chairmen, these oversight committee chairmen and judiciary chairman, uh, are going to go after some of these issues like uh, like the DOJ and the uh, politicization of the DOJ, their influence in elections, and more and more are coming out from Twitter, how the, the government was totally involved in the censorship uh, of, of political opponents, which is, is, is totally against the Constitution uh, and illegal, and more and more of that's going to come out. Uh, they're going to be able to subpoena people, and they're going to be able to, to bring people to uh, hearings, whether it's Dr. Fauci and, and uh, the whole virus vaccine thing, whether it's uh, uh, immigration, uh, what's going on. Uh, and we'll see um, how uh, this year plays out. Now, we have a divided Congress. You have a Senate now that's uh, still Democrat, so we're not going to see anything significant get through as far as legislation goes. Um, uh, but we'll see how this year plays out in politics. But the country's never been in a more politically unstable situation uh, than it is today. Uh, you can't trust elections. So when you can't trust elections, uh, you can't trust anything in your government at that point because you don't, you don't respect it as legitimate. Uh, you know, take Joe Biden. How many people don't believe Joe Biden is president? I'm one of them. I don't believe he was elected president. I believe it was stolen. Uh, and I believe that a lot of people say, well, you have no, no evidence of that. Well, no evidence is being allowed to be shown in any court. There's tremendous amount of evidence. Truck with 300,000 ballots comes from Long Island in the middle of the night to, to Pennsylvania. And, 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 and the driver is the one who's hassled by the FBI for bringing that out. You have uh, 
tabulation centers in Detroit where all the Republicans are kicked out and they, they tape cardboard to the window so you can't see what's going on. In Atlanta, you have the Republicans kicked out because of a water leak that was non-existent. The Democrats stay there and under the table pull out ballots and run them through the machines multiple times. I mean, there's lots of uh, evidence of election fraud. How about just in the six swing states where Trump is leading, stop counting overnight. Just stop counting. And then magically in the morning, boom, all these binding votes come in. This is, this is systemic uh, voter fraud. And it's amazing uh, how deep it has to be, how many people have to be involved in this uh, to, to just have such mass fertile fraud. And, 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 and it never gets no accountability for it. And that's the scariest part about it. If it happens, it happens. But but where's the accountability when the evidence is laid out? So we're in a really bad place politically. Uh, we're going to see investigations. Congress is going to be bogged down with that. Uh, so maybe that's good. Maybe Congress doing nothing, uh, being bogged down with investigations is better than passing $1.7 trillion in spending bill that nobody knows what's in it. Um, uh, maybe it's best that nothing gets done. All right, as I... Uh, finish up uh, our 2023 forecast. I want to touch on um, cultural issues, uh, wokeness. Uh, I think 2023 is going to be the year that wokeness dies. And we started to see it at the end of 2022 uh, as we started to see companies like Disney, uh, who uh, was so woke this year, and whether it's uh, going against Ron DeSantis and his anti-sexual uh, indoctrination gender thing in schools for kids was opposed by Disney. Disney also uh, released uh, children's programming that addressed gender fluidity and uh, other stuff that children shouldn't really be exposed to. Uh, and Disney stock had the worst year, I think, in, ever. Um, lost a ton of money. And again, Get woke, go broke. Uh, they even had to change the CEO and bring back um, the previous CEO to to make things right. So I think 2022, uh, we saw uh, wokeness peak. We saw, I think, political correctness, which was, I guess, the original wokeness uh, peak. Uh, and I think we're going to start seeing uh, this craziness that we've lived through. Maybe I'm maybe I'm Pollyanna on this. Maybe I'm naive, uh, but I just think people have had it with this gender stuff, how many different genders you are, what pronoun you are, who could use what bathroom, guys beating girls, saying they're girls. Uh, it's just gone too much, and I, I think people have just had it. I mean, it's just, I, I've been exposing it on this show, you know, all year. The insanity, you know, uh, the audio clips of what people are saying, and uh, uh, even saying that Jesus was transgender. You know, I never played this. L listen to this. Uh, this is a pastor, obviously, uh, LGBTQ LMNOP person. Um, listen to what he had to say about Jesus. I think Jesus um, transgenders himself on a number of occasions. Um, I, I think, you know, just, just a little phrase, uh, Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem, longing to gather Jerusalem as a mother hen gathers her chicks. Um, I think if you look at um, the foot washing from John's Gospel, foot washing elsewhere in both Old and New Testament, that it, it's consistently done by, by women, and yet Jesus takes that on. People often cast that as being the servant's role. It was the woman's role, mm. uh, and, and Jesus does it and becomes the woman at that point. All right, so tra Jesus is a transgender now. It just doesn't end with these people. I mean, it's just absurdity uh, of one thing after the other, but I think... 
I'm optimistic. Let's say I hope, I pray uh, that this cultural wokeness and uh, gender stuff and racial stuff goes away. It's not going to go away entirely. It's not. Uh, but it's um, it's totally gotten out of control in 2022, and I think uh, we're going to start seeing uh, at least a moderation um, of that. Uh, I think also 2022 uh, saw the beginnings of the end of at least hope of censorship on big tech. Um, the watershed event obviously was Elon Musk buying Twitter and uh, now exposing uh, collusion between the government. Uh, and Twitter regarding censorship and, and politics. Uh, will we see um, uh, more free speech, uh, hopefully? Uh, if it's not going to be done voluntarily by uh, big tech, uh, they need to be regulated to that uh, because now uh, social media is the town square, uh, and it, it's, uh, it's ridiculous to see people. I am banned from YouTube for life. Uh, yeah, I am, uh, uh, because I... A year and a half ago, two years ago, actually two years ago, uh, I challenged the election results, uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Somebody went back, some enemy of mine who doesn't like my politics, went back and found it, complained to uh, YouTube, uh, and then uh, my questioning of the vaccine efficacy and safety, uh, they went back two weeks later and complained about that, uh, and there were three strikes, I was out. Uh, so I've been censored, and, and, and here I am. I, I, I'm not a huge influencer. I'm a local radio show host uh on youtube i think i had 250 followers or something like that so it's not like i had three million followers and uh, i had to be silenced and if i'm being silenced you know as small as i am on youtube uh, uh I, I couldn't imagine having a million followers that i built up in 10 years and all of a sudden they just turned the switch off on me and the worst part about it is not only can i post on youtube that would be bad enough i can't even access my channel i can't even see the videos that I have in my library that I've accumulated over 10 years, all my TV show appearances uh, when I was promoting my book, my, my Fox and Friends appearance, my appearance on MSNBC, CNBC, Fox Business, all of them are gone because that's where I had them, on my YouTube library. Uh, and they just shut me off. No explanation. Um, basically, you're gone. Hopefully, uh, we see peak censorship in 2022 when we start seeing uh, free speech back uh, in 2023. Also, uh, we're seeing the death of uh, left-wing media. Uh, CNN uh, lost a ton of money. has been laying off a lot of people. Uh, they're supposedly going to become more of a news source again as opposed to a left-wing arm of the Democratic Party. Uh, we're starting to see newspapers. Uh, nobody reads newspapers anymore. I mean, the Washington Post is a joke. The New York Times is a joke. Uh, these are all propaganda outlets propaganda for the left, for the, um, the Democratic Party. People realize that, and people aren't listening. You know, people want to get their news. They can get it many, many other places. They don't need to turn into CNBC, uh, CNN or MSNBC um, to hear the ramblings of uh, left-wing lunatics. Uh, and the ratings show that. Uh, and I think that, uh, again, go woke, go broke uh, is definitely true in media. And we're seeing these media outlets fail, uh, and they're going to have to either become more objective uh, in their reporting uh, or they're going to go away. They're going to go bankrupt. And uh, do I see them uh, becoming more objective? No, I think they'd rather go bankrupt uh, and go down fighting uh, for the cause. 
So uh, lots of changes going on. Uh, we probably can go four hours with this prediction show. Uh, we're close to two hours here, so we used uh, almost all of our two-hour uh, normal radio show time to talk about it. Financial markets, to sum things up, are going to be dependent on the Federal Reserve and what it does. It's going to be dependent on the geopolitical risk. Uh, of certainly of Russia and Ukraine, China, uh, and the BRICS union that's coming about. Uh, I don't envision a good year for the stock market. I don't envision uh, uh, I envision a horrible year for, for housing. Uh, I expect a very severe recession. I expect the Fed to pivot uh, halfway through the year and, and, and try to defend the economy and the markets by bringing interest rates back to zero again. Uh, which ultimately would make for a better second half of 2023 20, uh, for financial markets. I look at gold and silver as the number one asset to own in, uh, in 2023. And uh, hopefully we'll see uh, the resolution of the Ukrainian war uh, with Russia. If not, uh, you can multiply the problems that we talked about uh, earlier. Socially and culturally, um, I'm cautiously optimistic that we've peaked insanity in 2022. And 2023 will be uh, a more uh, free speech oriented uh, social media, uh, less craziness, wokeness, gender stuff. And maybe we can concentrate on what's really important in life as opposed to these crazy social um, left wing uh, Marxist ideologies that um, the left seems to expose now. So lots of things going on. I didn't touch on uh, vaccine and pandemic and, and what I think is going to happen in 2023. Just not enough time for that. Next week, we'll be, um, we'll be live again on 92.7 WOBM uh, FM in New Jersey. As always, the podcast will be up Sunday morning uh, right after um, uh, the show is over. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about some of the things to do. Now it's a new year. We're going to talk about... Determining your net worth at the end of 2022. Uh, most people's net worth went down in 2022. It's important to know how much uh, compared to what markets did and what adjustments you may need to make uh, going into 2023, uh, given you know all the things that we talked about today. So thanks for listening to the podcast. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening last week to our uh, 2022 review podcast. Again, we'll be live next week for the next edition of The Financial Physician Live on 92.7. WOBM. Have a great week. Happy New Year. And always remember, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. Have a great week.